Welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. I'm your host, Roger Abel, here with Elias Randall. How's it going today, Elias? Awesome. I'm having a great day, and I'm just happy you invited me to be on the show again. I know. I'm going to keep have you keep coming back a few more times. I know you're still working your way up to one day doing the introduction. I remember that that was uh, your New Year's resolutions that you wanted to do the introduction to the show once. Yeah, that's so, a that's a big goal for me this year. So I don't know why, but we're four months in, so eventually maybe we'll get there. Um, maybe, but yeah, the last show we talked about a lot of things are changing, and I feel like they're still changing. What do you think? Um, I mean, aren't things always changing in a way? I mean, we really don't. There's really not a whole lot of times of just being stagnant. Yeah, and I think um, one of the things that seems is really changing quickly and we hit on it last time just the rising cost of goods and inflation and, and what the outlook is and right now there's really two camps that believe inflation could be one short-lived or two could be here to stay yeah and obviously those are financial predictions and it's interesting i have an article about financial predictions today and we try not to do that because it's dangerous yeah. but i ran across this article and it was the 11 fastest rising costs for older Americans. And, you know, if you think about an older American or a person in retirement age, when costs of goods go up faster than they're earning on their investments, it becomes very hard to keep pace with inflation and keep their spending power. And the things on this list, and I'm going to run through it, a lot of them on this list are things that they can't control, but they need to use every day you know, healthcare, medicine, things of that nature. Um, but what do you think, Elias, was the fastest growing cost over the last 20 years? What, what fastest <clears throat> rising cost for retirees over the last 20 years? Uh, has to be healthcare. Prescription drug out-of-pocket costs. From January, in January 2000, the average cost for a retiree is $1,100 a year for prescription drugs. When was that? 2000. In 2000. Okay. January 2000. March of 2021, the average cost was $4,096.93. So in healthcare, we've been experience, experiencing pretty drastic inflation for a long time now. Well, and if you think about it, most or all, for the most part, retirees are on some type of a fixed income. I yeah. mean, unfortunately, we have a little bit of a retirement crisis where a lot of retirees are dependent upon Social Security. But let's just say you have a, a person who's got you know a $2,000 a month Social Security check. They've got a $1,000 pension and half a million dollar 401k. Well, you know, realistically, what's that person bringing in a year? You know, four or, or a month, four, 4,000 bucks, maybe. Yeah, in the ballpark. In the, in the ballpark, yeah. 4,000. So their drug costs could argue, arguably be almost 10% of their retirement spending. Yeah, so that's a lot. I mean, that's... So, okay, so what other category of expenses? Well, before we go on to it, I actually have another article that ties into it. Okay. And this was um, put out by Fidelity. Every year they release... Um, and it leads right into the drug care costs. They release the cost or medical cost for a retiree through their, through their retirement years. A couple retiring in 2021 can expect to spend $300,000 in healthcare-related costs in retirement. 
Yeah, so that's basically 25 to 30 years for most people. Yeah. So we're talking 10 plus thousand. Yeah, right around just playing on $10,000 a year. So that's absolutely outpacing inflation. The increase from 2000 in drug costs alone was 272%. So, you know, we've been hearing this number, well, inflation's about 2% or 2.5%. Well, two and a half percent over 20 years is a 45% increase. <laughs> this is a 272% increase. And it, it made me think about how people invest their money. And if people have taken a conservative posture in retirement, which is human nature, is to say, hey, we got to be more conservative. And rightfully so, maybe if they've quantified it through some type of financial plan. If somebody had their money sitting in an investment product or a bank product earning 3% the last 10 years, they made 60%. Simple math. I'm not compounding. Yeah. Their healthcare costs or drug costs went up 272. They lost a large portion of their increased ability to spend money. And I don't think people think about that. People think about, hey, you know, I got a great CD rate at 3% today. They're not paying attention. Their drug cost is going up 8% a year. Yeah. And that's in... That, that's a great example right there. Inflation is eating into that return anyway. Guess what the second biggest increase was for retirees or older Americans? Second biggest after healthcare. Um, Not healthcare. That was just drugs. It wasn't healthcare. That was just drugs. So, so the second drugs and healthcare increase. aren't the same? Nope. That was just drugs. Okay. So Medicare then, Part B premiums Okay, went up. So Medicare Part B premium in 2000 was $45.50 a month. Today, it's $148.50 a month, a 226% increase. Well, it's another huge chunk of somebody's retirement dollars going to healthcare. Yeah. And so a lot of those, um, because every year people on Social Security get that COLA raise at cost of living adjustment. So I guess I'd be interested to know, and I probably should have looked, has that been keeping up with the increase in the Medicare supplement premiums? Well, that's the Part B, not the supplement, but the Medicare Part B um, premium. And typically the COLA is just enough to offset it. That's what it's been. But we went a few years with no COLA increase whatsoever on that Social Security. Um, Number three, biggest cost, homeowner's insurance. I personally can feel this one. I remember my, my wife and I, we used to own a property and casualty insurance agency and sold this stuff. And I remember... Premiums being $700, $800 a month for people. Well, now it's nothing to have pay two or $3,000 a month for homeowner's insurance. And with that, because I just redid mine, and with that, the deductibles have gone way up. Yeah, so premiums are going up and deductibles. It, so all-in costs is just going up. That's up 178%. These are all things people have to have. Like These aren't luxury yeah, items yeah. that you say, hey, I don't need to have that. Yeah, the, yeah, these items we're talking about, these aren't your greens fees in retirement. This, these are things that you need to have. So now we're on to four. This is actually the one, the first discretionary place we're going to see some of this. But for some people, this isn't discretionary. Okay. Veterinarian services. The average cost of veterinarian services in 2000 was $109 per visit. Today, it's $285. So do retirees spend more money at the vet than other people? I don't know. That's actually probably something good to find out. But I would think, you know, if you think about retirement and your kids are gone, I I feel like maybe some people go try to find a fur baby and 
make that part of their family and have the companionship and maybe, right. and I don't know, but apparently it's up 161%. Who knew the vet was, well, I knew the vet was expensive. Yeah. I don't have any animals anymore, but I know it's expensive. When, mm-hmm. when I had my dogs, I, I had, uh, I've taken my dogs to the emergency vet That's twice, not a cheap trip. twice on Christmas Eve, Ouch. back to back years. So Ouch. Merry Christmas to our family for the increased <laughs> vet costs. Number five, we all know this, gasoline. How much is gasoline up this year? So here's the thing. When I first started driving was like gas was, you know, everyone always talked about gas and it being expensive. So I can honestly say I don't pay attention to gas prices. So I don't even have a ballpark guess for you. I'm sure it's up 150%, just something outrageous. It's up 118%, but I think for people, there's recency bias involved here. Because if you've been to the gas pump, we were filling up for a buck 86. Yeah, last which year, was nice. And now it's like three bucks. And now pipelines are shut down and you know things yeah. are getting more expensive. And I'm not going to go through all of these, but then I hit number six. Total total medical out-of-pocket costs. We're back to medical, up 142%. The average out-of-cost medical for a retiree, not including drugs, not including Medicare premiums, up 142% at $14,846 a year. So go back to that, the person we were just talking about who has four or 5000 a month coming in. They're spending 1000 1200 a month on medical out-of-pocket. They're spending four hundred on drugs. You're at sixteen hundred bucks, hundred and fifty on medical. You're spending seventeen hundred dollars just to kind of keep your body functioning and live a normalized life. You're spending half your retirement income just about on healthcare. And in if you're not at retirement age, it's probably not. You know, you you might not be thinking about this, but this is one of those areas we can take a young person and say, hey, look, this is one of the reasons you need to save diligently because this is going to be a huge portion of your retirement expense that you probably don't have today. I would guess most people 40 years old and 50 years old aren't spending that amount of money in healthcare and don't realize that could be an increased expense going into retirement. Right. So I don't think a lot of young people are probably thinking about or people that are in their 40s or 50s are thinking about how much am I going to actually spend in retirement on healthcare expense. They're just thinking, oh, well, yeah, I live my life on 5,000 bucks today. And when I retire, I'll live on five grand. Well, Based upon these numbers in today's dollars, it's probably like thirty three hundred because seventeen hundred is going to healthcare related yeah. expenses. Well, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Young people probably really aren't thinking about that being part of their planning, and you know that's probably natural to not think about it because those expenses when you're young really aren't at the forefront. In retirement, though, those are probably the expenses or the extra bills that maybe someone starts to think okay, maybe I should get a part-time job to help offset some of these expenses. And I think one of the great things about people who have done a good job accumulating wealth is then at that part of their life, like their life's really on their terms. So, you know, it's unfortunate if you do have to keep working to help offset those. But on the other side of that, it's great if you can absorb those costs and still life is on your terms. And if you want a part-time job, you you just do it because you want to, not because it's necessary for you at that point in your life. For sure. Um, this is just printed literally yesterday. Inflation speeds up in April as consumer prices leap up 4.2%. Fastest since 2008. 
And in, this is interesting because this kind of talks about economic predictions and predicting of different things and why predictions can be dangerous. Um, economists surveyed by Dow Jones have been looking for an increase of 3.6%. So they expected a fast increase, but this was more. What's the problem with predictions? People really don't know. And they can be very, very dangerous if people are following predictions. Yeah. So, so you're exactly right. Predictions are hard to make. So I brought an article that I wanted to talk about today because I know in our past shows, we've talked about people predicting market corrections and how that's hard to do. So timing the market isn't really worth it. Well, people can be wrong predicting the other side too, predicting to the positive. So I LPL research, Jeffrey Buckbinder, and actually Jeff works with LPL and so do we. So you'll get a kick out of this. Here's how he starts his blog. It's embarrassing to admit this, but in our earnings season preview on April 12th, when the consensus estimate reflected a nearly 24% increase, we wrote that S&P 500 index growth would potentially exceed 30%. Well, without getting too far in the numbers, earnings growth has actually doubled. So, and not only Jeff, but almost every analyst was wrong because I guess I just coming from their perspective, okay, so if I predict double growth, well, of course people are gonna say, you're crazy for you're, predicting that. You're Harry Dent. Right, at that, yeah, at that, yeah. You're not predicting a 40% downturn, but you're predicting something way too positive. And so everyone's predictions were way off. So whether you're calling for a correction or you're calling for earnings that are even just 25% more than they were last year, you're probably gonna be wrong. And this year, everyone's wrong because earnings have doubled what they were last year in the same quarter. The best line is in that article is he said he was embarrassed yeah. He's embarrassed to admit yeah. and that I, he was that far off. But at I least admire. he could admit it. He can admire him because he admitted yes. he was and wrong. It, it's People who can admit their mistakes is admirable. And I, I follow Jeff's blog and watch. He's on the YouTube that LPL puts out. Jeff's a super smart guy. So I'm not bashing him and saying, oh, you were wrong. So look at this. This I just want to point out to people, this is probably one of the smartest people in our business. And he's admitting a mistake right here. And guess what? Everything's still going to work out. Yeah, it'll work out. He probably took a probabilistic kind of look at this in the future. Um, but it reminds me of a book um, that was written by Cass Sunstein. And he wrote this with Dan Kahneman. I hope I pronounce his name right. Um, it's called Noise, A Flaw in Human Judgment. And what that is is noise. And we're our industry is great for creating noise for people to absorb. And, yeah, and this, so, okay. The finance business and then what? Professional sports, probably the two noisiest industries. Yeah, because everybody has an opinion. And yeah. there's an argument that the noise is what makes an efficient market, right? It causes people to be buyers and people to be sellers. Because if we all had the same outlook, there wouldn't be liquidity in the market. Like if we were all buyers, well, there'd be nothing to buy. Right. Correct. So the noise creates some type of an efficient market. Um, but, but they talk about this book, how noise is an unwanted variable. And we talk about in financial planning that what do we want to do? We want to remove our opinion and make it more probabilistic. And I'm always looking for ways to improve my process and how I do things. But what's interesting in here, this actually, we've accidentally been doing what this article talks about. I'm reading this, I'm like, we're doing that. And, and basically... The idea of the book is the more we can get into this probabilistic world, 
where we're not dependent upon opinions or theories or predictions, probabilities of what could happen, the better off you can do it pro projecting, mo projecting and modeling. And I think of our financial planning process, it all revolves around the probability of success. So I was reading this, I'm like, man, we're doing this. So, you know, I feel good about that. Um, and I know I mentioned this to you and you're like, well, yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. And the more we can help people understand and get into this probabilistic world, the better off they're going to be financially. Things aren't always going to work out, no. right? There's going to be good times. There's going to be bad. It's how are we going to deal with them? It's kind of like identity theft. I tell people it's not if your identity is going to get stolen, it's when and how you're going to deal with it. Cause it's going to happen. Everybody already has Experian gave away all the information a couple years ago and 200 million people lost <laughs> yeah. their stuff. Like it's out there. So it's how you're going to deal with, with the chaos in the market and all those different things. And by by getting yourself to this probabilistic thinking versus trying to predict what the market's going to do, or as Josh Brown had coined it, successful investors don't act that way. We'll do a better job for people. And I know you brought in, uh, had something you wanted to talk about regarding market bubbles, which leads right into this. Yeah. And I actually, the reason I, brought this article and I just want to I want to preface this with I'm not I'm not declaring there is a market bubble and I'm not trying to scare anybody. I was just shocked and I was actually kind of fascinated. So a guy on Market Watch, his name's Mark uh, Mark Holbert, he wrote an article that he looked at Google searches and then how they trend. So right now Google searches for um, stock market bubbles are trending. And there actually is a correlation between that and corrections. Um, now, that's no reason to say that there is a bubble or there will be a bubble. I just thought it was interesting. But the other the really the thing I wanted to point out, because his article was called The Psychology of a Stock Market Bubble. Well, it really if you if take a second and think about it, it makes sense that people start to Google search stock market bubble when they do, because, well, when do they do it? After, market's high. after a big run up <laughs> in the market. Like what has just happened recently? We just had a big run up in the market. So I, will there be some volatility? Yes, but there's always volatility in the market. And here's what I really loved. Here's how he started the article. I have no idea whether the stock market is actually forming a bubble that's about to break. So I think the his point of the article was just to point out, yes, yeah, some of these things happen. If you are someone who's searching those terms, because that's on your mind. Just remember, if you take a long-term perspective, and for our purposes, if you have a good financial plan that you believe in, if it does happen, it's going to be in the big picture, it's going to be an irrelevant event for your financial planning purposes. Not irrelevant in the sense of how it makes you feel in the short term, because that is relevant, but in the big picture, if you have a good plan, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. No, and you know what? There's always been volatility. There's going to be volatility. There was a chart, and I don't remember what um, what company released it, but they talk about the normalized drawdown through calendar years and how 80% of the time markets finish positive. But I want to say the average top to bottom drawdown through the year is like 13 or 14%, which means you know if the market's up 10% today, at some point this year, it could be minus three. Right. But we could still end the year positive. And I, I feel like investors aren't paying attention to that, number one. But number two, we haven't had that many drawdowns over the last 10 years. 
Oh. You know, the fall of 2018, COVID. Um, there's been a few other slight corrections, but it's not that normal down volatility. It seems like a lot of a lot of the volatility's been to the upside, and the markets have ran it quickly. But that doesn't mean that they're going to crash. And the cool thing about getting to the probabilistic world by doing a financial plan, nowhere in the financial plan does it ever tell somebody, you know, it matters who the president is, that we, we don't have to predict a recession. We don't have to predict a stock market crash. That software is actually taking into account all of those different things that could happen through a Monte Carlo analysis. And that's what individuals can't do themselves, right? Yeah, I mean, I hear it all the time. Well, I can do this myself. Well, yeah, maybe you can, but you can't do that unless you're going to go create your own Monte Carlo, which would be so time consuming. If you value your time, right. you'd be better off hiring somebody or unless you're going to go buy the financial planning software. And most right. people won't. And even if they do, we had, I had this discussion with a colleague the other day. I could give somebody the software. They're going to mess it up. Can they interpret the data? That's my first can question. They en- can they enter the data accurately? First, can they even get the data in there? Right. That's a great question. I don't know if someone who's doesn't have experience in our business or with that software in particular. All it takes is one wrong click and everything's wrong. Right. And As cr- last night, we met with a couple last night, computer guy. I said, what happens if you put garbage in the computer? He goes, oh, all kinds of garbage comes out. Garbage out. How's his exact, that, that's what happens. So right. that's where people who think they can do this themselves, yeah, you can, And but can you do it as well? And are you getting to this probabilistic world, which is going to provide you a better, um, a better sense of reti- or a better sense of retirement? Yeah, and I, I want to add to that because we've both done many financial plans and inputting data, which you were just talking about. I know you've made mistakes in putting data, and I've made mistakes in putting data. But here's the difference: when we do it, the software comes out with numbers and we pretty much immediately know if there's a mistake somewhere or not because we have a good sense of what's going on anyway. So I know if I make a typo or do something wrong and then I see the end result because I have all the information, I already have a good sense of, hold on, this is not like we're not in the ballpark here. Now I got to go back and look and see, did I enter something wrong? What what did I do incorrectly? So then I can actually get to the correct answer. Well, and, and, and if you can't interpret it, you're right, because they made it so simple. It's just a speed dial. Oh, you're 85% probability this works out. So the normal person who would do that, be like, yeah, it works. Yeah, but perfect. We're, we're thinking about the numbers behind the scene. We're like, there's no way it can be that. You want to spend 12,000 a month and you have 200,000 saved? I know that yeah. can't work, right? Yeah, that that can't be a good result. That's a scenario. So in this the, this article, I had you know the hidden flaws that can lead to grave errors and economic predictions about that book and the noise. Um, one of the gentlemen in here was interviewing financial advisors, and he went with the finance. These guys who wrote this book about economic behavior, mm-hmm. he interviewed a couple different advisors, got it down to two, and he picked the one who lived in the probabilistic world. Right, because that's how his mind works, and it makes sense to him. One of the great quotes, when you enter a noisy system, you're subject to a lottery. I you're to- now I totally rolling the that. dice. And what? Okay, so what's that a perfect example of? A noisy system that now you're entering a lottery? I mean, the example to me that pops out is, okay, the Wall Street bets and the Robin Hood trading. Yeah. 
to me, that's a very it's, noisy environment. It's speculation. And that's Correct. okay. You're allowed to speculate. It's okay. Let's not refer to it as investing because they don't plan on holding this. Right. Um, but either way, I thought that was really kind of, I guess, you know, re-encouraging to us as to how we're doing this and how we're kind of taking care of client portfolios. Um, yeah. And, and working off a probabilistic nature versus, hey, this is what I feel. I mean, I always jokingly tell people there's two things we don't want in your financial plan luck and hope. Mm -hmm. In fact, I met with someone the other day and he kept, we had lunch and he kept, and he's a client, but he hasn't done a plan yet. We're going to now. And he kept saying, I think I am. I think I'm good. I think I can retire. I said, when we're done with this, you won't think anymore. You're like, I know I can retire. And that's the point of it. Or I know I can't, but I think that's just not a great way to go into retirement thinking or hoping it's going to work out. Yeah. Yeah, well, and that's a, I think that's what, that's one of the promises we make our clients is eliminate luck and hope from the plan. And then, especially with the new prospect going through our process, at least at the end, you're going to have a better sense of direction and financial confidence. Cause we, we obviously, we don't promise returns and we don't promise all these things, um, you know, that maybe other firms do or maybe they don't. But I think that is the one thing people can absolutely get from doing a financial plan is you're gonna know where you stand today. You're gonna know some things that you either could do better or could do different, and you'll be more confident. There's no doubt you won't be more confident. Well, Jeff in our office has said, since the time I've known Jeff, if the first thing somebody wants to talk about is the rate of return and how great this investment is, should probably go the other way. Right. Well, because and if that's the main focus, they're probably not a good fit for our firm anyway. Well, well no, but just even an advisor in general, if the first thing oh, they advisor, lead with is, yeah. hey, this thing's made 13 percent. This is the greatest investment. Well, just because it's done that for the last 10 years doesn't mean it'll repeat. There's a lot of stuff that hasn't. And in no way are they entering the probabilistic world. They're just saying, well, yeah, this is what it's done. It looks really good. This is a shiny object that that, that advisor just doesn't have confidence in what they're doing to get you to a retirement point and give you a level of confidence in your retirement. Yeah. Well, and the one thing we try to do too is we're constantly trying to make it better. I mean, oh, absolutely. we're constantly analyzing software. We're looking for new things that can improve the outcome for a customer. I mean, we kind of, I kind of look at this like a doctor's office. You know, how do you quantify whether a doctor did good or not? What are the positive outcomes? Yeah, it's the, we're looking it's for positive outcomes. Yeah. And the more we can improve, the more stuff we can ha- find to help our clients, the better job we, we can do. And we, we rely on the technology stack to do it. But we work hard at making it good and making it a good customer experience. And we want it to be something that people feel good about, something that gives people confidence. I mean, that's the number of things. We want people to be confident about retirement. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we had, I had someone call this morning and... Um, she asked if it's okay that she did this. And I told her, I said, was she you know, asked him for permission or just your thoughts. She told me she'd been up all night thinking about this amount of money she was going to spend. And in, in her grand She should have called you yesterday. Yeah. She should have yeah. went to bed and slept. Well, that's why I told her. You should just call my cell phone and thought yeah. it through. She was just nervous. She just spent money in a new house. And she didn't need a new car. And I said, you know, your spending pattern is so little versus what you have. You can do this. I said, if you were overspending every single month, then we'd have to have a conversation. And she goes, would you actually tell me that? I said, yeah. 
I said, I'll tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And that's the truth. If yeah. you're overspending, that's my responsibility to say, hey, long term, this isn't sustainable. But in her case, she's taken out like not even 1% of her account a year. And she, you yeah, know, this, no, this, no total, take this it. total purchase was like 5% and was to buy a new house and a new car. I'm like, take it. You never call for money. This is no, but it kept her up because she's like, you know, I've been so frugal my whole life, but I'm just encouraging her. Just, you know, she's asked me if she should take a loan. I said, your financial position, you should not borrow any money. Yeah. Just take the money and pay for yeah, it. Yeah. So, which is, she probably in the back of her mind, she probably knew that most people really know she just needed that little nudge from you to be confident with She it. wanted us to quantify yeah. the results in her financial plan. So we just went to the plan and I looked at it and I'm like, well, you still have a 99% probability of success. <laughs> I mean, it was easy for me, to, to and, me and I knew that, but she yeah. just, we've, I think we've done a good job coaching that she said, Hey, I can quantify my decision-making by just calling these guys. They'll press a couple of buttons and tell me what it looks like. So that easy. With that said, great show, Elias. I look forward to seeing you next time. I do notice you are a different plaid shirt on this show. You want to know why? You didn't wash the other one? No, that's not it. Um, my wife called me out. No, your wife called you yeah. out about wearing the same shirt. Yeah. She goes, stop doing that. I'm like, what? <laughs> she goes, don't wear the same shirt on every show. And she's like, I know you think it's funny, but just stop doing that. <laughs> right. I said, okay, I give up. There's only certain things you're going to pick your pick your fights with. So. Yeah, that's not one. So. All right. Well, we appreciate everybody listening. If anybody out there is looking to get help with a financial plan, get into what we call the probabilistic world, you can go to btwellshow.com. We'd be more than happy to help you. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, SIPIT. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.